0: Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And today, Kyle caught up on cinema. Uh, so today, um, I had Kyle watch a sci-fi slash horror film from 1985 by the name of Life Force, uh, directed by Toby Hooper and a product of the Canon Film Group.
1: I saw the, uh, the Canon logo come up, and I'm like, oh, Canon. Um, yeah, based on the book The Space Vampires
0: yeah i don't actually know when the novel was written but it like so many elements of the script in this movie it's so totally bonkers and off the wall that it has the feel of like you know like a a dime store like a a drugstore like cheapo sci-fi novel or something that somebody read in their childhood and was like oh man we gotta make a movie of that yeah, it's kind of L. Elron Hubbardish. Like,
1: uh, it seems like because he he just did those like I guess it's called Pulp Fiction, where it's just kind of like yeah, it's about a uh, hundred and fifty pages. It's not very good, but you can read it.
0: Well, yeah, it's it's something to pass the time. <laughs> so it's just an escape from reality for however many minutes it lasts. But this movie, it's it's trashy as all hell. I mean, it's a canon product, oh yeah, for sure. But. What's fascinating about, it, to me anyway, is that it was like it was like them attempting to make an actual legitimate blockbuster film because it, mm-hmm. it is not a cheap film by any means. Uh, maybe in terms of like casting, uh, they may have cut a few corners here and there. There's no like super big names in there at the time anyway.
1: I was gonna say at the time I'm like this this was pre uh, next generation because Patrick Stewart's in there.
0: Oh yeah, we have Patrick Stewart. As a uh, what a, an insane asylum like head head doctor or whatever yeah like the head
1: psychiatrist I was, expecting to see, I was expecting to see a lot more of him and he's almost playing his same character from Conspiracy Theory
0: actually yeah that that is kind of funny you point that out but yeah this was Canon like dumping a shit ton of money and resources into something into a script that I don't think it was warranted like if you're gonna pick a script to to make a big budget like Blockbuster to compete with like the Star Warses of the world. This is not the script to work from. Well, no,
1: like the first ten minutes are captivating. Like they start off really, really strong in this movie. Well,
0: you want to talk about the starting point? I think it goes without saying that we need to talk music because the th- the main theme of this film is actually one of my favorite musical themes. Like maybe in all of cinema, just because it's really? it's it's really powerful and kind of like it feels like. Feels like a warm blanket. Like, hmm. I mean, if you have never heard the theme, you listeners out there, it's a... it sounds like it sounds like the old football music that they used to play during all the old promos.
1: No, yeah, I know. Exa- I know exactly. I think they still use that for college games. Actually, oh yeah,
0: they absolutely do. But it was I... a, it was composed by Henry Mancini, who's like one of he's like one of the legends in film composition. Uh, hmm. I know him mostly for. Uh, the late '60s Romeo and Juliet movie that they mm. made us watch in grade school. Yeah, nope. Um, and the Pink Panther, that, the... Iconic, that iconic theme is is his
1: doing. That'd be
0: the one. Okay, that one. Okay. But yeah, the the first thing we get in this movie is his music and, like, a shot of the surface of the moon or something, and then mm-hmm. a swooping title. <laughs> like, like oh, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, I, to me, even more so than, like, seeing the actual canon logo, just that, that ballsy title sequence kind of spells it out to you, the viewer, that, oh, yep, we're watching... We're watching a product of Israel. <laughs>
1: like, See, I had to watch I had to uh, look it up real quick, so I'm like, "What year did this come out?" <laughs> and uh, I said, 1985." I'm like, I thought it was 1975, honestly, from the uh, titles.
0: Well, Toby Hooper um, he went on record saying that uh, he was given quite a bit of creative freedom, like during production, and he was even quoted as having said, like, he had hammer films in the back of his mind when he was making this. And I mean, it really shows, especially yeah. in the climax in the fucking church, um, yeah. in the cathedral, yeah. um, he, and the you know trashiness, like all the nudity and stuff like that. But there was a lot of it. Oh yeah, there there is a quite a lot of nudity. <laughs> but yeah, it it does. It's it's kind of like showgirls <laughs> in the sense that this is this is like absolute trash material. But they're attempting to add class to it by throwing money at it?
1: Well, definitely in the first 15 minutes, there's a lot of money into it. Because, oh, yeah. Uh, because it's a. I think, did all that just go into that set design from the very beginning?
0: Oh, that set is gigantic. The, the, you're talking good. about the interior of the alien yeah. spacecraft?
1: Yeah. Oh, do you want to give a rundown of the plot?
0: Yeah, sure. Let's give a little rundown. So, yeah. as Kyle said, this script was adapted from a novel by the name of Space Vampires. Yes. Uh, yes. So they changed a few details here and there that I, mean, that I know of. I've never read the fucking book, but <laughs> no. I don't think many people have. But uh, So basically, uh, the plot involves some literal space vampires. There's mm-hmm. a gigantic spacecraft in, uh, hidden in the tail of Haley's Comet. Uh, a joint... Uh, UK and US uh, space mission. It sends a shuttle up to investigate, uh, just to, I guess, go into the comet not expecting to find the spaceship. Anyway, uh, our astronauts discover three humanoid people encased in some crystalline cases. Uh, Some shenanigans happen, they come back to Earth, and uh, it's a race against time to stop the space vampires from doing whatever it is they're trying to do. And, uh, By the end of the movie, things escalate very quickly (laughs) and in in very unexpected ways.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, The cast, uh, I didn't recognize anybody except for one person, uh, Patrick Stewart. Uh Um, That was the only person I recognized. the the main guy, the not Tommy Lee Jones, as I guess we could call him, um, I, he looked familiar, but I'm like, I just keep wanting to put him in Tommy Lee Jones movies. I don't think I actually do know who he is.
0: <laughs> no, um, most of the cast, um, as far as I can tell, this was all filmed in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. There's only maybe a couple of American cast members. Our main guy, I don't even know the actor's name, but like he's like Kyle just said, he, he does look like kind of a, a frumpy, tiny Tommy Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, he not looks a bad like actor.
1: A- he looks like if Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden and uh, Tommy Lee Jones were merged into one person.
0: Yeah, just give him a haircut. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could yeah. totally see that. Yeah. But he's basically the only American in the film. Um, I'm not sure who dictated it, but he is treated as the main character, but he's really not. Um, he, he's just kind of thrust into the, the center of the story. But in terms of pr- like moving the plot forward, he's not really the guy who does it. He's just the guy wrapped up in all the drama.
1: Honestly, the person moving the plot forward is... Um, he has my favorite line of the movie, which we'll get to. Um, but he's the one who has the most distinguished English accent in the films. <laughs> the guy with the long, long white hair. The, the main... Oh,
0: Dr. Falada. <laughs>
1: yes, there you go.
0: Do- um, Dr. Falada just cracked me up. He he knew what fucking movie he was in. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if he's a veteran of... Canon films or uh, or Hammer films for that matter, but he he knew he was in a movie adapted from a book called Space Vampires. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he he was chewing scenery left and right. There's even a there's even a part um, that I got a, a good chuckle out of where uh, it's when it's when uh, we're still trying to figure out what the deal is with the the humanoids that were taken from the the spacecraft. Uh, mm-hmm. So some shit is going down. Anyway. Um, we're discussing the space vampires and the doctor like just casually takes a few steps to his left into the creepy light <laughs> because he has some creepy things to say so like he's standing in normal light and he's like "Up, oh, just a second <laughs> he, I like, gotta move here. he just like moves a couple of feet to his left and he's like ah oh, that's better now that i'm in the creepy light <laughs> and then he talks about being... in
1: an ominous tone now
0: yeah he's uh he uh apparently his field of study is thanatology. Uh study of death. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's the most metal doctor there
1: is. Yeah, no kidding.
0: <laughs> so yeah, no, our, James
1: Dio was the dean.
0: <laughs> so our story begins in space um with with the shuttle. Um for, one thing I, I read up on, on the Wikipedia entry for this movie is that uh the the space scenes were heavily truncated, um, and it's obvious. I, I didn't notice it the the last time I watched this movie. I've seen it a few times, but this most recent viewing was the first time I noticed it. Um, man, the, the the cuts, the edits mm. are super fast paced. Like, oh yeah, there is no attempt to build suspense. We're just like, we got to go. We got to <laughs> go. <laughs> like, like if if you have like two thousand one in the back of your mind when it comes to like portrayal of like spacewalks and doing anything in space because most things in your mind you think of space you think slow uh, methodical yeah there is none of that in this whole movie especially in the early goings so the time it takes us to go from oh hey there's a spaceship to oh hey we're in the spaceship is like 30 seconds
1: it's pretty immediate it does not take any time for well little first he's looking at it they decide to go they're in it within i think like next frame like they're just already oh, yeah. there
0: no they, they do it really in a slapdash way where it's it's all crossfades so it's just like oh we don't need to show them traveling that 100 feet stretch it's like no let's just let's just cut ahead <laughs> it's like well, even from the well, same angle
1: <laughs> i mean this movie should be about 90 about 90 minutes long this is like this is two hours long so if if you were to stretch that out, it would, this movie would be so long. And this wasn't popular for movies at that time, and especially not this kind of movie.
0: Well, it's a canon film, dude. <laughs> like, like they're all about like get it done. These are the same yeah. people that released um, the missing in action films in reverse order because the second one had all the action. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, ah shit, nobody's gonna get on board with this franchise if we release the slow one first. Let's let's get all the action out there first, and then tell it backwards. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, patience patience, and, like, methodical storytelling, n- they're not known for that. But what's funny about uh, what you say about a 90-minute runtime, um, apparently the reason—the the version that you and I watched, the two-hour version, is the international cut of the film. Oh. Um, apparently the original U.S. theatrical version was 90 minutes oh really so the version we the version that's widely available now is the is actually the extended version oh no kidding um so it was probably two and a half hours if they had kept all the space stuff in
1: well the other thing is is they might have spent too much money on the space sequences that were like yeah we can't we can't get 20 minutes out of this stuff we, we can get five maybe
0: <laughs> I think it was just uh, maybe the producers just nudging Toby Hooper and saying you gotta you gotta hurry up man like we got to get to the Boobs, and we gotta get to the yeah. explosions.
1: Wait, why would we want to be looking at space stuff? Yeah. She's French. She's showing her boobs.
0: Yeah, for real, man. It's like we come on. There's there's boobs in the next room. Let's just get to that room. It's like we don't need <laughs> yeah, to know how we got would, there.
1: Maybe that was their thinking. They were just like, eh, we don't we don't really need to spend a lot of time in here. I mean, everything, all the fun stuff's gonna happen back on Earth anyway. So why do we need to be here for that long?
0: Yeah, uh, um, all the all the stuff in space is very hurried. And, in fact, uh, they jump way ahead in the movie and revisit the space stuff several times to the to the point that it feels like, why why did we do it that way? Why couldn't we have just told it all straightforward? But I Re- Reasons. <laughs> I don't know. So,
1: yeah, um, the Space Cowboys, I don't know what that term means, but I'm just going to call the astronauts that. Space Cowboys, they, um, they get into the ship and they're tinkering around and it looks kind of like uh, xenomorphs have taken over a little bit that's what the inside kind of looks like not as gooey or grimy but that, that kind of looks like something has gone over the walls and they get a, there's a beaming light coming from somewhere in the, um, in the inside the ship meanwhile there's a huge tentacle thing coming out from the outside of the ship from what I can understand
0: yeah, a large, it's like a, it's almost like a claw. Um, th- so this spaceship is supposed to be like 150 miles long?
1: It's shaped like a neuron. That's that's how it's shaped. That's, um,
0: that's Yeah, that's actually pretty accurate. Um, yeah. So at the one end of it is like a bulbous thingamajig, and then mm-hmm. it has a very narrow middle section. And then the other end of it is shaped like a claw, like a literal like talon. Yeah. And the talons open up, and we have some awkward scenes in the shuttle, like, so there's an away team who's in the investigating the innards of the spaceship and then we also space have... Cowboys. Yeah, the space cowboys. Um, <laughs> and then we have the crew, they're still on the shuttle, and they're reporting to the people on the inside of the craft that uh, oh, some, some thing, we're not going to call it a claw, <laughs> some, <laughs> some thing... Apparatus. Some apparatus, apparatus is extending and uh, nothing comes of it. <laughs> no. it's it's very awkward because you you would think that like it's trying to grab the shuttle or something. No, it's just like the ship is yawning.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the the
0: the design of the ship, like Kyle said, it does it does kind of remind you of aliens, except for it's very brightly lit. It's a little mm-hmm. bit more friendly in that sense, but it does have that like biomechanical look to it, where it's like this very easily could be the giant interior of a organism of some sort in fact there's a couple of like first-person shots they're very explicitly rendered to look like traveling through like a an artery or something
1: yeah I um, I, I you're right I don't know what happens with the the arm coming out and I want to put a pin in that because also they say that it's at a certain point in the film, they're like, "Oh, it's going over Texas for some reason." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. There's, there's no connection made well, from what I can gather. Yeah, everything
0: in this movie is very spastic, and uh,
1: it's <sighs> kind of hard to follow. Like it is. I, I, when I started it, I was engaged. I'm like, "Okay, this is pretty neat" because I like the set design and I liked, I liked what was happening in the beginning. You get to your, so they go through the light and they go into this room. It looks. It reminds me of uh, Land of the Lost with Will Ferrell when they go into <laughs> that that like mirror thing and there's that weird lizard turk like yeah the weird lizard thing. Um, this room is just like it's like stacks of um, rectangular uh, looks like glass cases basically mm-hmm. or like um, some kind of like uh, design that you would see. I don't even know how to. It's hard to describe.
0: Well, um, I can help you out here. There you go. Um, Thank you. Have you seen the live-action Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, well, Koopa's palace uh, has these like geometric spikes poking out of the walls all over the place, and in fact, it's a design aesthetic that's borrowed directly from like the old Super Mario games. Mm. Uh, it, oh, <laughs> it, it brings yes, to mind yes. that, <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah. kind of like diamond-peaked geometric shapes lining the floor and the walls of this whole very expansive room Um,
1: yeah and then in the middle of it there are three uh, glass cases um, two fellas and they're both naked and then there's a lady and she's very naked Um, quite quite naked and one of the astronauts even says they're like oh I think they're human he's like oh they're human I've been (laughs) up in that shuttle for a long time and she's human. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's especially awkward is that uh, during his during his little th- yeah, they they cut to a shot of a of, of a lady astronaut <laughs> that just happens yeah. to be like overhearing all this.
1: But here's the other thing: is that she's very attractive, and then the other astronaut lady, the the ship's crew that's back there, she's very attractive as well. So I don't. I'm like, were you just being tortured by the, working with these two women, or were they just like chop liver, like? <laughs>
0: Uh, I think it's like, the latter.
1: <laughs> like, Gosh, and she, that's even the look she gives is like she's like, whatever, dude. Like she's like, you no, know, I'm, right I'm right here, by the way.
0: Right here, bro. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so we have our three naked space a- aliens. Um, before we got into this chamber, we actually had a whole room full of very awkwardly suspended corpses of these bat-like creatures. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. Yeah, I completely skipped that.
0: Yeah, uh, right before they enter the chamber with the human noise, uh, yeah, there's several bat creatures that are suspended. Um, very obviously, they're like hung up by like fishing wire, but because mm. this is supposed to be like a zero-G environment, um, they did their best. It was 1985, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you got to cut co- corners somewhere. But yeah, there's these gigantic bat organisms that are uh, all dead. Um, they're all desiccated, in fact, are or a uh, lead space cowboy the american like yank's an like a thumb right off of one without even thinking
1: yeah that was super stupid like why would you touch that yeah, i would never touch that it's the first
0: fucking alien you your entire civilization your entire planet has ever discovered and you just tore a chunk off of it with your bare hand
1: <laughs> you've got an alien spaceship full of ozzy osborns just hanging upside down and you're just going to go over and crack its crack its arm open basically like oh, yeah. you're he doesn't make great decisions in this movie. Uh, no,
0: yeah, he's actually kind of shitty. Um,
1: yeah. he, oh, he, we'll get into him. He's He does some shitty shit in this movie. Yeah, and he's kind of our hero, um, kind of. It's it's hard to tell.
0: Well, I feel okay. like, again, like, I feel like he was shoehorned in as the hero, quote unquote, because uh, he's the American. Mm. Um, but... Everything he does is just ass backwards.
1: <laughs> so can I say something about this movie that I, while I was watching it, um, I was like, man, I'm getting like a Gamera feel or like a Godzilla Godzilla feel to this movie. Even though no- there's nothing remotely close to either one of those monsters in this movie. But the structure... Mm. So the structure, we get introduced at the very beginning. We're introduced to the alien spacecraft, these giant bats, and then um, these three naked naked people. Um, and then we get back down to Earth. And it, we just get to the, like we do in Godzilla movies, we, we have to figure out what it is. Okay, we have to figure out where it's at now. Mm-hmm. Um, which takes up like a big chunk of the movie. And then explaining like the one uh, astronauts explaining what happened on the space station. Um, and then we get kind of a bulky end of dealing with the monsters. So I, I think it kind of has like a, uh, like a Godzilla, um, a Godzilla, how would you say that? Uh, template, the Godzilla template.
0: No, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. Um, I, I feel like maybe that's part of why I enjoy this movie mm. uh, because I was raised on the fucking Godzilla yeah. and, uh, yeah, I mean, it Godzilla. is comfortable. I don't know why. but yeah, I can't quite put my finger on it. It's like Godzilla, but with boobs. Yeah, with a lot of boobs. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I mean, you need to remember that Godzilla and Gamera both had their heyday in the 60s, and mm. hammer films also in the 60s. Like, B movies kind of had a a flow to them, especially of the sci fi variety. Like, in the mm. 50s and the 60s, um, you're your hero protagonist was generally like a burly science man and his his second banana or whatever and a lot of times uh production values were cheap to the point that you couldn't really show much of the monster or the alien invasion or whatever so you had a lot of really exposition heavy scenes of just science people talking about... Oh,
1: there's exposition! Oh my goodness! There oh is.
0: my god, there's a lot of exposition in this movie, uh, especially from Doctor Falada.
1: <laughs> well, actually, the other thing I think when I when I realized it, it felt like um, uh, it felt like a Godzilla movie is when the one guy is sitting in his office smoking and watching the television, which comes up in Gamera, and I think it comes up a couple times in a Godzilla movie, um, where the, the television is covering what's happening Uh,
0: to me that's that's like a useful tool that you'll find in any like high quality sci-fi horror movie of this type um Mm. it it increases the of this type um (laughs) it it helps increase the scale of the story It, it lends it a sense of reality like um godzilla 2014 i always pointed to that as an example of that movie having more in common with the the modern camera movies than Godzilla movies mm-hmm. because a lot of the storytelling is actually told just through talking heads, like news anchors and stuff. Yeah. Um, while our hero characters are like all, you know, doing their thing, they'll like turn their head to the side and see, like, oh, like, giant shadow or giant creature spotted in, in such and such town. And it's like, oh my god, the problem has escalated, independent of us, the, the protagonists, you know. Mm. But.
1: So yeah, um, so we move along and uh, so they're looking at them and then don't we, do they say we're going to take them back to the ship or do we even find that out at this point? Uh,
0: So there's, something happens that causes our, uh, our away team to need to hurry up. I think the spacecraft moving um, is an issue. Uh, So basically they have to hustle. They have to get back to the shuttle. Uh, They do so without incident. Um, it's decided mostly by the American guy, um, our uh, not-so-reliable protagonist. Um, yeah. No, I'm going to say he's unreliable. Uh, oh, yeah, totally. Um, it's decided by him that they'll take all three back to the shuttle. And then uh, mm. we cut to Earth, and it's uh, UK-equivalent like to NASA. Uh, yeah. And Dr. Bukowski, who has like the most... Grave demeanor, I think I've seen in quite a while. He's he's always smoking and just looks like he's super constipated all the time.
1: He look he reminds me of um, the fella from um, *Lethal Weapon 2*. I think it's Derek O'Connor. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something about his face or his hair that reminded me of uh, of Derek O'Connor.
0: <clears throat> well, I'm, I can't be positive, but I feel like he was one of the chief villains in one of the Roger Moore James Bonds.
1: He he looks like it. He feels like that's exactly what he'd be.
0: No, he has a terrific look, but like his speaking voice is like like very Christopher Lee like, but even deeper. And he just he looks so just pissed and tired all the time.
1: <laughs> he is in for your eyes only. Yep, yep, that's the yep.
0: one with Topol. <laughs> uh, he's in Frankenstein,
1: 1992 Frankenstein. I don't even know about that.
0: Is that the TNT one with Randy Quaid? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking dude
1: we're doing a Frankenstein movie for TNT get Randy Quaid yeah that is Randy Quaid holy right. shit
0: I, yeah. I I need to see that movie again because I saw it when it was on TV when I was a kid uh, and it was really fucking good
1: see I <laughs> I was I, like
0: let's not talk about that that
1: sounds awful it sounds like an absolutely terrible movie um, <laughs> it's
0: really good dude Um, you, you should find a way to watch it
1: I didn't so I'm going to be honest with you. I watched this while drinking a little wine last night. Um, I, I, As you know, I flew back from Seattle on Monday, and then Tuesday I got a text from my brother saying, hey, my wife is being induced uh, tonight. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to drive over to Louisville, which is a good eight and a half, hour, eight and a half hours for me. So I drove eight and a half hours Wednesday, stayed at <laughs> night, saw the baby on Thursday, went to bed, and then woke up Friday drove all the way back. So I got in last night and I got here. I'm like, all right, I got to watch these movies for tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I got to watch these shitty movies. It. But I was just so like, just wiped out that I'm like, all right. And I had too much caffeine. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to sip a little wine while I'm watching this. So I didn't write down the, the characters names. So, um, I am going to have my IMDB up here so that I can refer to them quickly. Cause I, I just didn't take great notes last night. Good,
0: Cause I, you know, truthfully, I don't really know any of the actors in this movie. I just know them mm-hmm. by their faces. Uh, so if you can fill in any blanks that I have, uh, that would be really helpful. I do remember Bukowski though, because that's a fucking name, and, um, and he struck me as like the more interesting, one of the more interesting characters in the movie. However, he is treated like fucking garbage in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, um. There's a lot I, of there's a lot of loose threads in the storytelling in this film. We'll get to them, but yeah.
1: Dr. Falada, I just thought was a mixture of Peter O'Toole and uh, David Warner. Uh, He just kind of had, like, he was like a mixture of those two.
0: Don't compare him to David Warner. David. Oh no, I'm
1: not. I'm saying that his look and voice, like, he just kind of it was like those two guys just kind of melded Uh, into one.
0: If David Warner was in this, I would be so much more happy with it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would rather have. No, I really liked this guy. He he had a great voice, and like I just liked how he how he how he acted in this movie
0: oh, like i said he knew what kind of movie he was in and he had fun with it they, oh, yeah, they even did. gave him a pointless extra scene at the end of the movie just just because it's like yeah we gotta we gotta do something with him
1: uh, so yeah we're kind of getting introduced to our characters um again we like we said dr falada um, yeah, dr
0: bukowski and falada are both at the the uk nasa yeah. and uh they're, they're in a, a bit of a panic because the shuttle is apparently on its way back to Earth, but the guidance system is not doing things correctly, so it's out of bad... It's coming in at a bad angle.
1: I hate to... I hate to, like, use it again. Like, I know we used it for um, Deep Rising, but it's kind of like Jurassic World... Or not, not Jurassic World, but the Lost World Jurassic Park, where they're like, yeah, the, the ship's coming in, but we can't... There's no communication. Uh- <laughs> All and ass towards the towards the dock, um, but yeah, they they can't communicate with them at all. Like there's nothing. Um, yeah,
0: coming so up. Uh, they have a really there's a really cool edit in here where uh so that the name of the shuttle uh that is coming in uh, that our our space cowboys were on that contacted the the Halley's Comet spacecraft uh is called the Churchill. Mm-hmm. I, f- I forget what the name of the uh, the second shuttle is. But we get this really cool edit where everybody's, like, they're talking about options. Like, how do we fix this problem of this shuttle coming in too hot? And then, like, Bukowski just looks up and says, Washington. And he just says, like, the name of the other shuttle. And the other person just nods and then cut to a shuttle launching.
1: Yeah, so they get that other shuttle up there. And this thing is, like, it's not spinning, like, Matt Damon in space. It's just, like... (laughs) it's it's got a decent role to it and it's definitely going to be difficult for them to dock up but they do it with no issues whatsoever but this also isn't supposed to be a space movie this is supposed to be a monster movie
0: yeah the the space scenes are clearly just like a means to an end, where it's like, yeah, we we got to get back to Earth so we can get to the boobs. (laughs) Neil deGrasse
1: Tyson would probably roll his eyes at most of this, like, oh, no, it's not. It would take way longer.
0: Uh, To quote uh, Kevin Spacey, he who we do not talk about anymore, (laughs) wrong! (laughs) Yeah, we don't talk about him anymore. But yeah, so the secondary shuttle goes up. Uh, It very quickly docks with the other one, and we get some new space cowboys that go to investigate. The Churchill. Yeah.
1: These guys are – I would have – as soon as I went in, I know it's kind of like like a house burning down. Like we have to figure out how it started. But they get into this shuttle, they open it up, and the movie Sunshine has happened inside. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so it's – okay, so if you're ever in space and you're like, these people aren't talking to us. We're going to go up to their shuttle, and you open that door, and there's just dust and ash – they're dead because that's human. That's a hu- That's human skin, <laughs> all, all over the
0: place. That is an ex person.
1: <laughs> that's all you have to do is open it. Okay, it's all skin. Yeah, they they're dead. Like they evaporated. <laughs> Just like um, stick your head uh, in. Like, yep, they are dead. They not <laughs> <I did>. believe. <laughs> but no, they go in. Um, and we get our first uh, our first little bit of makeup effects. We get the uh, the dummies. Uh. All the dummy skeletons, basically.
0: Yeah, uh, they're actually pretty grisly looking. Like they're pretty some, good. some detail went into those burnt up corpses.
1: We get we get some more stuff later, which I think isn't even on par with Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, um, they were trying really hard, and I appreciated that. But I think um, either Return of the Living Dead did a little bit better, or that um, oh, what was the zombie movie you had me watch? It was a Romero.
0: Oh, um, Day of the Dead. <sighs> Say again? Was that Day of the
1: Dead? I think it was Day of the Dead. It was the third one, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, yeah, Day of the yeah, Dead. is Day of is the Dead.
0: Far superior in terms of yeah. makeup effects. Yeah, that's not even
1: fair. Um, but they man. were really, <laughs> they were really trying. But yes, these, this, the, the first wave of makeup effects we get are pretty good. Um, we got dead bodies everywhere. Um, they look like they've been um, pretty much hit with a blowtorch or a uh, flamethrower, like while inside the uh, inside the ship. Oh yeah,
0: everybody's everybody's quite crispy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our our space cowboys they investigate. Uh, one of them pulls the flight recorder, which turns out to be in- entirely useless. Um, I don't even know why they showed us that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Count count that as like loose thread number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, loose then, thread. <laughs> there's there are so many. There's <laughs> a lot. Um, and then. I think the scene concludes with one of our astronauts going into the cargo hold, uh, mm-hmm. where we find our three humanoid space vampires all in pristine condition, while the interior of, of the cargo hold has very clearly been singed and burnt very badly.
1: Pristine in more in one way, <laughs> pristine in uh, more than one way. I guess you could
0: say. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did, did you she's happen to catch? Ken-
1: actress is gorgeous. Like she's just a, she's a bombshell.
0: Oh, yeah. No, she she was cast um I'm sure it very. was a rigorous <laughs> casting process. <laughs> um Did you happen to catch the uh the the very uh, strategically placed strap over her chest? Yes. <laughs> oh, now we're going to try modesty. Yeah, yeah it's like I, what I what the hell was that. the point of that modesty strap? We've already seen everything. <laughs> so wait, when did you first
1: watch this movie? I'm curious. I oh, think I was a
0: teenager, you. probably like 18.
1: Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say like eleven or twelve. No, no, bet you did.
0: No, that that, it would be my favorite movie if that was (laughs) the case. It's so good. (laughs) It's like, oh Uh, man, it's a cinematic classic.
1: (laughs) It's a cinematic classic. Watch and God created woman. It's not a good movie, but my goodness, it's a teenage boy's favorite movie. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. um, Um, And I believe we cut very hastily away from that, and we are we are back in the UK. We're back in London.
1: Back there, so there's a little bit of um, dialogue. There, honestly, the problem with the British taking on the Godzilla template is that it's not as exciting. like Japanese people speaking to each other is it's not. Mumbled and quiet. Oh, yeah, we yeah, just we go to go over there. We go to get the thing. Like <laughs> Japanese people are speaking deliberately about what needs to happen next. <laughs> so the exposition, like the just the the dialogue scenes in this are just so like I can't even pay attention because they're all British and shit.
0: Yeah, there, there's a lot. Of, there are a lot of exposition scenes in this movie that it's basically just science people talking science back and forth and. Not only that, but science people who mysteriously have answers that they really have no reason to have. Um, yeah. It's it's purely for the benefit of the audience, but it has the weird effect of reducing the scale of the story in a story that um, reaches like world-ending world, world ending states yeah. towards the end. But in the early goings, it's just kind of like a, a slow burn kind of mystery. Uh, and it feels like our central cast is composed of like just a handful of people. Like this does it starts out not feeling like a story that's going to touch an entire country. It just feels like it's going to be like oh the ci- like the city of London or just like a town or something. It, yeah. fe- it feels like a small story that gets very big, very fast. Yeah.
1: Um. So wait. So now there's like talkie talkie and now, this uh, is this
0: is where we meet Doctor Falada and we get a sense that he's kind of a weirdo. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh we have some like a surgical team kind of investigate or attempting to investigate the space vampires. Yes. And uh there is a uh, <laughs> there's a security guard posted up in the in the operating room. And uh I think is this when uh is this when our female vampire wakes up?
1: Yeah, so I had trouble with this. I something happened. I was watching it so yeah, he Smokey guy is sitting in his office watching the monitor, and the team walks out of there except for this one guard. He stays in there, and yeah, this is where he goes in, and he's just, like, hovering over her, and something happened when I was watching it, and it, like, skipped forward somehow, so I had to, like, try to rewind, and I'm using uh, Prime on my TV, and the remote's a little wonky, so I got to, like, right there, but then right, right past that scene, so, yeah, he, she basically wakes up over him, and then I don't know really what happened to him because it oh, kind of skipped well, for... let
0: me explain. Uh, so he is compelled to approach her. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very obvious that, well, it's not immediately obvious, but um, there's there's a gorgeous naked woman like laying on a table and uh, she may or may not be alive, and uh, this security guy just walks up to her and hovers over her, and he reaches out to touch her. And we get a few seconds of suspense building where he's wearing a gas mask, and uh, Mm -hmm. you can hear his like labored breathing, and it's it's very creepy. Uh, You can tell he's in like a trance or something. And Mm. the second he touches her, her eyes snap open, and she's got these contacts in that are kind of like amber colored and have like a uh, like a spiral shaped iris to them. It's kind Mm. it's kind of an interesting effect, especially combined with like the really pale makeup that they did Mm -hmm. on her entire body. and she gets up and she takes mask off and they make out, oh, and, and then we I get we get some uh, really trippy and pretty cool looking optical effects of like it looks like like a, a thundercloud and like a spiraling blue light hovering around them. It's like a halo of of like blue spectral light. Um, goes without saying, Toby Hooper also directed Poltergeist mm-hmm. and uh, John Dykstra. Uh, special effects guru of this of this particular era of film and maybe even to this day um, he worked on this film and if you ask me he was like a major fucking get uh, for for a trashy sci-fi movie to have him backing the special effects uh, you know like one of the leading pioneers in op- optical effects that's a pretty big fucking get well, do, you
1: cinema- do you know who the cinematographer was for this movie? Uh, tell me because I was actually, I was watching like, there's interesting angles that they're using in here. Um, uh, cinematographer was Alan Hume. You oh. know him as a cinematographer for Octopussy, uh, For Your Eyes Only, uh-huh. A View to Kill, and, last but not least, Return of the Jedi.
0: Dang. That's yeah. quite a pedigree. So James Bond and Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, <laughs> I'd call him yeah, a, a talented individual.
1: Uh fish called Wanda. He's got quite a few on here. Um, yeah, there's and some cinematographers
0: are kind of like uh, makeup effects gurus. There's like a handful of them, uh, of Stupid really girl. really really good ones. Anyway,
1: I uh, had the needle, which from its poster looks like it's really good, but I don't think I'm gonna watch it. I don't understand. You know. Um, so yeah, so she busts out of there, correct?
0: Yeah. So she literally drains the life from him. Turning him Mm. into like a like a frail, desiccated corpse with bulging eyes, and which leads us to the make of effects that Kyle was alluding to earlier. The not so great make of effects. This is an effect that's used throughout a good chunk of the first half of the movie. Is uh, Mm -hmm. these desiccated corpses that they're vaguely zombie-like, but more like shriveled and gnarly.
1: They look kind of like um, when uh, emotep sucks off uh the skin of the guys in the mummy 99 kind of yeah. um the, the one of the first guys i remember he was on the the, f- the first guy he gets with the um his eyes taken out when he's sitting in the chair it kind of looks like that that's yeah
0: no it's it's a shriveled corpse um the main difference though is that in this film in 1985 uh they tried to do these entirely through uh, animatronics as opposed to like using Doug Jones in a, <laughs> with, with makeup yeah. uh, so it's entirely a, a remote controlled puppet or a wire controlled puppet and it just isn't quite convincing um, it doesn't awesome. help that it's supposed to be a shriveled corpse and, and because of that the eyes are really bulging and it looks very cartoonish and just the articulation on like the upper body in particular like there's a, a scene where one of these corpses reaches out to someone and it just looks dopey
1: that's the fir- that's the first one we see. Um, yeah, yeah that's it's, where- it's
0: the same corpse, but a little later in the movie.
1: Um, yeah, like the it just you can tell a lot of time went into it. I think a lot of time was spent on making them look okay. <laughs> I think they get an A for effort, but I think even for 1985 it's not that great yeah. um there's definitely better examples
0: now, there's in my in my notes that i took while i was watching this movie um the term overly ambitious comes up a few times and this is an instance of that where it's yeah. like you probably should have ju- just got doug jones's dad
1: <laughs> i think well i think the the difference is is like i want to use like um what is it day of the dead as an mm-hmm. example um or you could even use um oh um Return of the Living Dead, uh, but the thing is, is there's kind of blood components to those, and in this movie, I don't think that we're spo- There's not any blood, and I think that might be one of the problems. Is you can kind of cover up stuff if you're showing a little bit more gore, yeah. quote unquote. And in this case, they're supposed to be like sucked. Basically, they're they're supposed to be dry.
0: Well, it doesn't help too that they're also naked almost every yeah. time we see them. So yeah. every little flaw and like the joints and like the anatomy is v- very visible and and yeah the lack of gore and also some of the things that they tried to do with them uh, some of the motions like I said there's a shot where this thing sits up reaches out to someone there's a, another shot where there's a, a female corpse laying on a table like strapped down and trying to break free and just the articulation isn't there yeah uh, whereas like Day of the Dead has that iconic shot well iconic to me um <laughs> Or the opening shot, or one of them anyway, is a uh, a corpse with like a, a divot like smashed into the f- the front of it, just mm-hmm. standing with the sun at its back. And it's not really moving. It's just stationary, but the f- the facial animatronics are there, and it looks good, but it's not like flailing around or doing any like exaggerated movements or anything. It's stationary.
1: The lady they found in the park. I think that when they bring her back to um, Area Fifty One, whatever you want to call it, uh, the it's almost identical to the one in Return of the Living Dead with the lady on the slab. Yeah, actually you recall. Yeah. it's almost identical, and that's what I that's what I was like thinking of when I was watching this, and like they kind of just set themselves up for failure because of that.
0: Yeah, because um, that scene, like Return of the Living Dead, does not have the best makeup effects, but that nope. that one in particular was done pretty well. Yeah
1: um all right so um we're moving along here uh this i was getting a terminator vibe uh very much so (laughs) and it's uh it's interesting because terminator came out a year later while this was probably filming while they were actually filming this because this came out in 85 terminator 84 um so the two buff dudes that are uh, they look pretty similar um
0: Yeah, they're just like Tommy Hilfiger models, or whatever.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, or Calvin Klein. (laughs) I was thinking they looked like uh, they were kind of cut like Robert Patrick in T two. Actually, yeah, may as well. Yeah, but they're moving just like him, and that's because they're. We start uh, the guards start shooting at these two guys because they wake up and they're supposed to be deadish or in a coma, um, and they start shooting them. Like this looks a lot like Terminator. um, What's happening right now? But it looks more like Terminator 2, which hadn't come out yet.
0: Yeah, that scene actually happens a little later. Um, what, what follows uh, the lady, the lady vampire, our, mm-hmm. our fine vampire lady, uh, escaping mm-hmm. is like the slowest on-foot escape from from a facility you've ever seen.
1: Like the Joker in the Dark Knight.
0: <laughs> so Kyle pointed out that Dr. Bukowski happens to see uh, the security guard get sucked dry by mm-hmm. the female vampire on a monitor that he has, like a security monitor. Uh, his reaction isn't to like pick up the phone and call anyone. He decides to run down there. He actually gets to the room right when she's finishing up with the security guard and she does something to him. I'm guessing sucks. Trance. Some of his energy. Yeah. She takes like some that. of his energy, but not all of it. And then, uh, some other people watching other security monitors see him. Yeah, Dr. Falada <laughs> sees him, and it becomes this farce where it's like, is everyone in this entire building going to end up in this room at some point? Is anybody
1: going to do anything about it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, Dr. Falada sees Dr. Bukowski making out with her, and he's like, oh shit! <laughs> and he runs yeah. down, except he's smart about it and gets like a whole team of dudes. And he runs into the room, and she's gone, and Bukowski's like, worn out. And he's like, Dr. Falada asks him, like, what the hell happened? He's like, I don't know. (laughs) And uh, for like the next 15 minutes, this lady is still naked, still wonderfully naked, Um, just like slowly walks out of the building and keeps running into male security staff who are just completely powerless before.
1: (laughs) Mm. Oh, she's she's got the power of the fembots, basically. Yeah, she she has the the power of... of... Uh,
0: She has the power of flashbulbs and sound effects. <laughs> because she just, like, waves her hand, there's a flash of light, and people cl- clutch at their chests and fall down.
1: Um, she doesn't at this time, but uh, now I looked her up, uh, what she looks like now. She looks like Famke Jensen, actually. Um, no, but not, she doesn't look like her at all in this movie.
0: Not a um, not a bad look for anyone at no, any age. No.
1: If you look like Famke Jensen, you're doing well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she escapes, and... Um,
0: this is when the colonel comes into the story.
1: Yes, uh, Cur- Colonel who, Curly Hair.
0: <laughs> he's not
1: Colin Firth. He is a Firth, though, but not related. I don't think. Uh, he is Mister Peter Firth, uh, Colonel Colin Kane. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that he's the only one that's. I mean, he he has scenes where he's kind of being funny, but like when he okay (laughs) so at this point um she's escaping the uh the guards are coming up um and then we find the one astronaut he's the one that took his escape pod from he escapes from uh the ship and he's i think that's where texas comes up maybe
0: yeah that also comes a little later um, it's it does, act, it's actually quite a while before our uh, our astronaut gets reintroduced into the story. Um, um, so the colonel it, shows up at UK NASA, and he start mm-hmm. he starts questioning uh, Bukowski and Falada, and it's very. Uh, this is when Bukowski makes it clear that um, being in the room with this lady vampire was overwhelmingly mm-hmm. sensual <laughs> very sexualual it's very sexual very sensual um so he was completely put in a trance by her which explains what happened with the security guard she has this power to just take over take over your instincts and force you to do things that parts of you probably really want to do but not all of you
1: yeah, she's very attractive and she's giving off a very um, down for it energy so.
0: yeah uh, so <laughs> that's Buk- a strong Bukowski- combination for these fellows Bukowski is like shell shocked, basically. In fact, he like he gets up and sits down multiple multiple times in the scene, and, and it kind of made me laugh because what what's his deal? <laughs> like, yeah. like the if you're like a, a stage director or something, it's like why are you doing that? <laughs> it's like the yeah. blocking of this is driving me nuts. And this is also where we get that uh that goofy sh- shot I mentioned where of steps into the creepy light so he mm-hmm. can tell Colonel Kane that I'm into death. By the way. You can totally trust everything I have to say. So the motivations arc of
1: our characters is the Colonel is, he's just trying to figure out what's going on and stop it. And it seems like, um, Dr. Falafa. Falada. Falada. (laughs) Falafa. Falafel. Um, Dr. Falafel. Uh, I don't know if he wants, he's kind of the, I don't want to kill it. I want to study it. Yeah, very much so. Um, which you have to have one of those guys in one of these movies. Um, so she escapes is this where the buff dudes come in this
0: is where the buff dudes wake up and the two guards blow the fuck out of them yeah does nothing yeah this is what loose thread number two Yeah. Um, so we get a shot and I can't help but feel that this was maybe a planning issue or a budgetary issue um, so the two buff dudes wake up uh, they, there's a lot of glass that blows up in this movie it's kind of cool like, anytime there's glass paneling, it gets blown up real good. Glass?
1: Who gives a shit about glass? Who the
0: fuck did it? <laughs> good reference. Um, so, yeah, there's two security guards posted up. Uh, they have submachine guns and uh, grenades.
1: And submachine guns
0: <laughs> do nothing. Um, but the grenades apparently worked. Because then we get a shot where uh, Colonel Kane and Dr. Falada walk into the room where the buff dudes were. And their eyes are downcast. Like, they're looking at the floor, and they do the thing like um, like they did in Jurassic Park, where uh, uh, Muldoon and Dr. Sattler, uh, they pull up in the Jeep post-T-Rex attack. Mm. And Muldoon says, mm, I think this was Gennaro. Yeah. She, she in the <laughs> background says, thing. I think this was Gennaro, too. <laughs> uh, they do that beat, where their their eyes are looking in very different locations and they're like <laughs> yeah that's a mess we're not going to be able to clean up anytime soon yeah. so it's implied that they were blown to pieces yeah they appear later in the film but we don't see how they reform themselves or anything along those lines they just appear later in the film so that if, is major loose thread number two
1: <laughs> if you've seen little monsters it's probably how uh the big dude uh the big monster the scary one uh Mm. he puts himself back together it's literally his pieces of meat just like "Ah, i gotta put myself back
0: together Ah." (laughs) Uh,
1: i'm guessing they just just came back they just scooted themselves back together you know
0: i would have liked to have seen that (laughs) but but we didn't get it uh so i show don't tell yes and uh i think kind of I think around this time is when we discover the lady corpse. Yes. Um, so it is. We oh, get a yeah. we get a phone call from the local police, and uh, they call Colonel Kane out to the site, and uh turn, it's like at a park or something. I and, keep wanting
1: to say Colonel Kurtz, but yeah, Colonel Kane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Colonel Kane. Uh, he goes out to meet up with the cops, and uh, yeah, there's a shriveled female corpse in the middle of a park, completely nude. And uh, it turns out the call was placed by a couple of teenage boys yeah, who, who yeah. Uh, were, <laughs> they yeah. called the cops because they found the body, but before that they were they were uh, hovering around this lady because they thought they were going to watch a couple of lesbians make out. <laughs>
1: If I was to watch uh, Space Girl walk into the park butt naked and then just like go up to another chick, I'm like, let's see how this plays out. I'm not. Yeah, we don't need to call the cops just yet. I mean, yeah they, they they're, they're very uh,
0: they're very frank and and honest with the cops. They're like, yeah, we we uh, circled around a couple of times and mm. she well, didn't have like, too much clothes on.
1: <laughs> and we're like, if we thought they were going to start doing stuff. We were going to get a show, you know. Uh,
0: yeah, and then that, and then and, yeah,
1: and, she looks. Yeah.
0: yeah, she looks like the worst example of a, like a Holocaust victim you've ever seen. It looks terrible.
1: Yeah. She does not look good. Yeah. Um, uh, that's kind of how the spoiler alert at the beginning of true detective starts out is they find a corpse of a girl, um, not at a park, but it uh, just kind of, Jump back at me when I saw it. I'm like, oh, kind of how true detective starts, but um, yeah. Um, so we take her back, obviously, because we have to uh, figure out what's going on. Yeah, but um, in
0: between this, we get. Um, I think this is when the pathologist gets uh, makes out with the corpse.
1: The pathologist makes out with the corpse. So, yeah, that I think that happened when I skipped over too. Oh wow,
0: uh, uh, that that
1: that was before this, but I think yeah, I that kind of got cut out.
0: So this is where the. Uh, this is where, like, one of the major plot points that, again, kind of gets tossed out the window in this movie pretty pretty quickly, um, but it is major, uh, enters into the picture. So, uh, our security guard corpse, desiccated corpse, um, we have a team of, like, a surgical team, they're investigating. They're, like, trying to examine this corpse and get a sense of what the fuck just happened. And uh, when this corpse is on the operating table, it gets up. And it sits up, and it, it, like, looks longingly into the eyes of the of the man who, I guess, is performing the autopsy. Mm-hmm. So one, one of the surgical team. And we have these lingering shots back and forth of them just, like, looking at each other and, like, going, ooh, like, doing, like, Zoolander looks or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the doctor embraces the corpse and attempts to, like, give him a smooch and... Then we get this that familiar blue swirling light effect and suddenly, the, well not suddenly actually, this takes like a good solid fucking minute, uh, the corpse fleshes out so it like plumps up and comes back to normal while the doctor shrivels up. Yeah. So they like transfer life force I guess.
1: So instead of sucking blood, they're basically sucking the skin or life force out of this other person. Yeah,
0: they're sucking uh, b- blue energy out of each other. <laughs>
1: Yes, and he comes back to life and he's freaking out. He does not know what's happening at all. Um, he's <laughs> not doing a very good job acting about it. Um, but yeah, he's he's freaking out, so they're like, we have to get him the fuck out of here. So this is where they put him down in the cage
0: basically. Yes.
1: Um, and then there's there's two the other guards in the ca- there's another cage down there as well.
0: Yeah, we get two scenes of these corpses back to back actually. it's kind of silly um Mm -hmm. so another gentleman is called onto the team um he's like a chancellor or something i don't know he has a bow tie um funny um the only only thing i recognized him from was bordello of blood the tales from the crypt movie
1: (laughs) Yes. see i just like his his bow tie i'm like why does he have a bow tie
0: where was he at like i said i think he's like a politician or something okay um yeah he's a he's a goofy little goblin looking guy that has like one permanently half closed eye he reminds me of a egg chen from a egg chen from a big trouble in little china but oh uh, yeah british yeah yeah Um, Yeah. you're right he has like a horribly insincere look about him where it's like i can't trust anything you fucking say man you look like you're winking at me all the time (laughs) but anyway uh colonel kane takes him into the basement to examine these two corpses well no the security guard is normal now yeah um
1: was normal, but now he's
0: not normal. Dr. Falada points out that uh, two hours had passed since the uh, security guard was drained and when he reanimated. So they put that to the test and uh, sure enough, two hours later uh, the security guard goes back to his his corpse state and completely dies and becomes dust, basically. Mm -hmm. And then on that same timetable the pathologist, the person that he had drained, um, goes from corpse status and reanimates, and then attempts to like run at them. So think like think, think like a, a reaper from Blade Two. Like mm-hmm. it's just like uncontrollable urge. Need need fluids. Need blood. And yeah. He runs at them and uh, it, he explodes into dust when he hits the bar.
1: <laughs> yeah. It gets in their mouths too. They're like, oh, oh, oh
0: yeah. It's not a pretty sight.
1: Okay. So this is, uh, after this, um, after this guard hits the, uh, hits the cage, we find out that, um, the main astronaut, uh, not Tommy Lee Jones has, uh, they, like we recovered an escape pod um, somewhere around Texas, I believe. Uh, if if I'm not mistaken. Um, and this is where, uh, the Colonel kind of kicks in a bit more. And this is where I was talking about, um, where he's kind of in a different movie. Um, he, he, so they they get the um the astronaut back down, and he's in his gear and he's in this meeting with uh the two doctors and uh the colonel and the colonel is like he's very analytical like he's he's very good in this scene like he's being very serious, and he's like, won't you just start from the top?" And- don't hold back on anything like uh, it he he kind of looked like a, like he was like the bad guy he kind of seemed like a nazi almost like when he was when he was sitting there Honestly. you know
0: based on his look i could totally yeah. see him playing a nazi at some point
1: That's, yeah he's got that the blonde hair and kind of the haircut um but yeah this is where the astronaut explains what happens
0: yeah um, directly preceding that we get it um colonel kane has a pretty cool line in there i can't remember it verbatim but basically the astronaut is tr- attempting to uh pussyfoot around things like he knows some fucked up shit happens but he doesn't know what they know um so he's like oh you guys won't believe what i have to tell you And colonel kane's like you know i think i'm fully prepared to believe pretty much anything you tell me right now yeah. <laughs> so it's like kind of winking at him it's like we've seen a lot in the past six hours uh, take
1: humor me, me. Yeah, yeah
0: humor me <laughs> so yeah our uh not tommy lee jones uh re recounts uh the events that happened on the shuttle after we left them um it's kind of an interesting interestingly edited sequence because it it's all um there's no real sound or anything um it's all just footage of him and the other astronauts on the shuttle um and and the score very good score mm-hmm. and uh his uh, voiceover like recounting the tale so um basically what happens is one by one all the astronauts are uh being discovered on the shuttle like uh, shriveled and Mm-mm. rendered into corpses basically and it's the way i understood it nobody even really gets a sense of why it's happening um but over some stretch of time eventually uh, not tommy lee jones becomes the only survivor on the shuttle and we get some we get a kind of a chilling shot where he's like in the the living area of the shuttle so like like where all the bunks are and there's just like stacks of body bags and shriveled corpses and he's just like sitting in the corner by himself with a beard <laughs> and he just looks so lonely and depressed and uh Again, he brings up, like Bukowski had before, that uh, he feels like this uncontrollable like pull to, to the space vampires in the cargo hold. Uh, and so he decides to destroy the shuttle and escape via the escape pod. Mm-hmm. Um, so he like sets the autopilot to basically crash, and, and he should, probably should have set it to go off just randomly into space, but whatever. <laughs> and then uh, he sets fire to... Uh, one of the uh, desiccated bat corpses that they had brought on board also, which uh, sparks a flame, which I guess ignites the whole interior of the shuttle. And, uh, yeah, he takes off in the escape pod, and which brings us to him back on Earth. So his, uh, his, plan, name, his plan failed, basically. Yeah. Uh, his name's Carlson. Carlson. I like Carl- not Tommy Lee Jones better. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, there's
1: got to be a shorter name. Well, Tom. Tom Carlson, but... Um... Carlson's just easier. Oh, yeah,
0: Carlson. Uh, it's kind of hard to forget now that I remember the, the finale of the movie because Colonel Kane yells Carlson. it <laughs> like 50 times.
1: Carlson.
0: I wrote down cock block down in my Yeah, nose. no, no, I, uh, verbatim. Uh, me too. <coughs> I said uh, cock block to save the planet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it was. He's ignoring the hell out of him too. He's just oh. like... <laughs> um so anyway so he he tells them all this stuff and they're like okay well we have to go find the girl um they're like why don't you go get some rest or whatever yeah. and he goes and gets he's going to get some sleep and in his dream um homegirl comes up and she's just all like getting them basically doing foreplay on him we can just put it that way um and it's getting pretty hot and heavy here uh, for a little bit because I think this is the this is where they're in like the I want to call it the legend sequence where it looks like it's from the movie Legend. <laughs> yeah, and they're just in, on a bed, and
0: um, it looks like something out of a Meatloaf music video or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, there we go. That's <laughs> it looks like something from a Meatloaf music video. And, you know she's she, it's it's turning into a Cinemax production here uh, pretty quickly, and uh, he ends up waking up screaming. Completely soaked in sweat, um, she's like whispering sweet nothings to him, like "Oh, don't you want to love me and stuff like that?" I love you. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and they come in and they're like, "What's up?" And he's like, "She was right here." I'm like, "Well, she wasn't because we were watching you sleep. Like you're just having because because that's
0: normal." We, uh, I mean, I wasn't watching you sleep. That's, I not wasn't... The, that's not. That's not two-way glass.
1: And then uh, Falada comes up and he's like, "Have you ever been hypnotized?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> he just like very immediately pulls that out of his ass.
1: No, he's like, "Okay, we'll do that in a minute." So they hypnotize him and they find out that he can see where she's going. He is somehow kind of, um, like. Um. Uh, what is his stupid name in Harry Potter?
0: Oh, oh that, that's all you, bud. I I know nothing about Harry Potter.
1: I can't. Then I can't say that I can't spoil it for you. But anyway, sure he's able can. to access what she's doing. They're kind of connected somehow. Yeah, like they have a psychic
0: access. link of some sort.
1: Um. So he's watching her, and she's a different person. He's like, I see her. And you're like, Well, where that is she? She's, like, well, <laughs> she's wearing clothes, and she's a different girl. And she basically is just walking through a vague U.K. countryside, um, comes up on this dude changing a flat or something, and she just stares at him. And she's she's attractive. She's not space girl attractive, but yeah. she is attractive, and especially for this guy because he's older. And she just walks over to the passenger side and just gets in. He's just like, oh. He's look, he keeps looking <laughs> around because if this ever happens to you, you're about to get hit in the head. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. You're about oh, to somebody, get jumped
0: by her brothers. Somebody, yeah,
1: like, there, you just, there's somebody waiting to shoot you or stab you. He's yeah, just, Johnny looking from, Johnny from the Cobra stabbed.
0: Kai is watching. <laughs> uh,
1: but she doesn't, and he's still, like, they're driving, and she's just kind of looking at him, and he doesn't know what to do, and uh, he's explaining what's happening to them. he's like, well, now he's he's touching her leg, and then... Uh, <laughs> It's going up. Basically, the, the next part of the softcore porn is about to kick in. And uh, and then we cut out of that, basically. Like, I don't really know what happens with those two.
0: Yeah, um, um, we learn- Go ahead. The, the main information that we get that keeps the chase going is that uh, they ask him, can you see the man's license plate? And he gives it to them. And there's yeah. like a weird little detail that, again, it's kind of extraneous. I don't know why it's there. But he, he misreads the plate but then he corrects himself, like, immediately. Yeah, that I, <laughs> I noticed that, too. It's like, that didn't yeah. contribute to anything. That would have been kind of interesting if he threw them off the trail or he did it intentionally or something, but it it's just a weird detail that's in there for no reason. Well,
1: I, I, I mentioned all that um, softcore porn stuff because it it happens quite a bit in this movie. It comes back quite often, and I'm not really quite sure what it's there for. Um you could have just gone by like oh she's just so riveting as she is mm-hmm. just on her own but no she she's very sexual in nature. Um I think there's a there's a little bit there's a difference.
0: Well I feel like it it comes from like again the the B movie background because one mm-hmm. thing that Hammer films were noted for in the 60s anyway uh was the sexuality aspect of it. Like they were they were racy by the day's standards. And uh, I feel like when we get into the mid-80s, uh, standards <laughs> standards have changed. <laughs> and in order to maintain that vibe, in order to have this like trashy and classy vibe at the same time, you need to make it trashier, <laughs> I guess. I mean, we've
1: had Halloween, uh, Cannibal Holocaust... Uh... <laughs> Let's see what else has come out by this time. Friday the 13th, one, two, three. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. point. Things though. have, things
0: have escalated, you yeah. know, in that 20-year gap. So I feel like it's paying homage to that vibe, but just pushing it, pushing things even further down the line. Um, so I believe it's through the license plate that we get to the the uh, criminally insane. Yeah, the asylum for the criminally insane.
1: No, we get to to the girl first. Um, they track down the girl.
0: Yeah, isn't she at the asylum?
1: She's at a she's at a home. She's at um like an apartment. And they like, Hey, can we come talk to you? And she's like, Yeah, sure. And they go upstairs and she answers the door in a robe mm-hmm. and um she's like, What do you want? And the colonel's like, We want to ask you a few questions. May I sit? She doesn't say yes. He's like, Okay, I'm just gonna sit anyway. Um, and this is where um uh, Carlson is like she's in there I know she's in there and that's where it gets a little weird um he starts uh like he slaps her once he's like he's really he's giving her like crazy close eye contact just trying to draw oh, yeah. he, her out he,
0: he's got the and he, he's he's shaking her <laughs> vigorously yeah,
1: very very much and she's like are you gonna stop this and the colonel's like actually I'm quite voyeuristic
0: yeah, he pulls up a seat and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. This is when Carlson mentions that. Uh, this is when he flexes his psychic powers, um, psychic powers that until that point we didn't really know he had. Yeah. Um, so he is holding this lady and he's staring very intensely into her and he's basically just verbalizing to the room, not not explicitly to Colonel Kane, but just he's just verbalizing that. This woman is an extreme masochist She wants me to hit her (laughs) Yeah that
1: was a really weird uh, That was a really weird line Yeah and then
0: he yanks off her robe And he like spins her around Just so he can see that she has Like scrapes on her back Yeah
1: I did not know that's where that was going to go I thought it was going to go someplace completely different uh, Considering the tone so far I'm like what is he about to do to her
0: Uh, You sure you don't want to leave the room Colonel (laughs) Yeah, Seriously
1: um, but yeah, uh, I don't know what really happens here other than that. Um, they kind of figure out what,
0: uh, this is when, um, she, he uses his psychic powers, uh, and he gets a lead. Basically, mm-hmm. she, basically he discovers that, um, she's no longer possessed Speaking of which, I feel like possession in this movie is just one element that maybe didn't need to be there. So yeah, so, um, Using his psychic powers, um, while he's gripping this lady and smacking her around a little bit, uh, <laughs> he discovers a lead. Like, uh, space vampire lady is no longer possessing this lady's body. Um, however, uh, he gets a physical description from like accessing the lady he's holding's like memories. And he has the physical description of a, a large man with a birthmark on his face who, that is in this criminally insane asylum. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when they exit her apartment, uh, Patrick Stewart was actually present um, when they first arrived at her apartment. Um, and he's there when they're leaving too. And so Patrick Stewart's like, do I, can I do anything else for you? <laughs> and uh, Carlson touches... Um, he touches carlson on the shoulder at which point carlson says uh do you have a resident at the asylum by this physical description patrick stewart says of course follow me this way he's in solitary confinement oh yeah I'm and uh, when they get into the chamber there's an orderly there with a sedative and uh instead of interrogating the the fat man that's strapped down in solitary confinement, they uh, they inject Patrick Stewart with the sedative, and he starts screaming. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: he is scream. He screams dude, a couple of times in this. Like yes,
0: um, dude, his his little seizure he has on the floor that looked like somebody got roughed up. Like that looked like somebody got hurt filming that. Because <laughs> yeah, Carlson like puts him in a chokehold and wrestles him down to the floor. And Patrick Stewart at this point in time was pretty jacked it's <laughs> pretty big guy too and carlson is like we've been describing him as like short tommy lee jones so i yeah. uh, put that image in your mind so it's this very short american man straddling this very burly scottish man and he wrestles him down to the floor and he's like literally laying on top of him bracing his feet against the wall and they stop for a second and then patrick stewart starts like convulsing underneath him <laughs> and he goes on for like 20 30 seconds <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, like he's going to die. <laughs> that's, how, that's how he's convulsing. Yeah, no,
0: I mean, one of the themes that comes to mind when it comes to the tone of this movie is uh, excess. Things are very excessive in this movie. Um, yeah. Anytime something is done, like whether it be nudity, violence, uh, pyrotechnics, it's always done to the extreme. They take it to 11.
1: So I think that, um, yeah, Carlson is over the top. Um, but I think the Colonel and Dr. Falada are actually doing a pretty good job. Yeah, the um, Colonel
0: in particular is level-headed, and I think it's necessary because so many other cast members are like swinging for the fences. But yeah, he's the one that gets probably the most screen time, and he's he's like the Rock not not the Dwayne the Rock Johnson, but like the Rock in terms of like his stability. Because Carl uh, Carlson's unreliable and fidgety. Bukowski is rattled and fucked up. Uh, Falada is clearly a evil fucking man. <laughs> but Kane is like the straight shooter. So I was really, I was watching this movie and I had
1: to re- rewind it a couple of times to watch this, uh, this one scene, but I, it's, I think it's either right before we find her at, or we go to the girl's apartment or directly after the Patrick Stewart part where, um, uh, the colonel is like, we have to find her. Like she's she's taking different forms. And he he's kind of looking up at the ceiling, or almost like he's looking up at space, and he's kind of whispering to himself. He's like, We have to find her. She's out there somewhere. We have to find her. And I was watching it, and I'm like, oh my god, that was exactly Oliver Platt in year one. When he, take, <laughs> when he takes them to the holiest of holies, he's yes, like. Yes. He's like, how, how how did it happen? He's like, fiery vapors, and he's look, it, it's identical. Like I, I want to. You're gonna have to rent year one, or it's on Netflix. Like if you put the two scenes together, it's identical. He's doing the exact same thing. <laughs> he's the same tone, and just looking up towards something vague. He could be looking at the sky or the ceiling. <laughs>
0: to but to it, quote my cousin Vinnie, the same, <laughs> identical. The, the same, I, the same. <laughs> it's it's funny. I,
1: like, I'm I'm wondering if like Oliver Platt did he watch this and just like that one little scene like oh I can make that funny, um, <laughs> but uh, rewatch it. I've got the timestamp for you. It's at uh, about a minute or I'm sorry, an hour and like fifty seconds in. He's in an office and there's just one other person with him. Go back because it's on Prime. So okay. go check I'll, it out. I'll,
0: I'll do that. But um, did you wanna did you wanna walk us through uh, Patrick Stewart's interrogation? <laughs> Because I mean I, I know to. I know you like Patrick Stewart, so I'll let you like have Patrick.
1: this one. Um, so they've they realize that she has basically possessed the body of Xavier here, and he's on the slab, and they've hit him with some kind of tranquilizer, and they're about to hit him. They they tell the the sidekick like, "Hey, we need three more of these," and uh, they're about to inject him. And, um, the lady's voice, the space girl's voice, comes through Patrick Stewart. She's like that won't be necessary and then uh, basically she's got Carlson in a trance where he's seeing Patrick Stewart but it's her and she's like kind of sucking him in and you're watching it and you're like is he is he gonna kiss her? Because if he starts kissing her, he's kissing Patrick Stewart and it takes a really long time but it's a great build up you're just like is it gonna happen? Is it gonna happen? And then ultimately, he does start making out, and then the colonel and the other guy pull him off. <laughs> like
0: really like whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> like that doesn't seem warranted. <laughs>
1: no. And she's like, "Ah, oh, that bitch! She's like, she's still in there." Uh, and so they they hit her again, I believe. Yeah. Um, and this is where Patrick Stewart starts screaming again, like hardcore.
0: Oh, he's a good screamer. I didn't know that until I saw this.
1: Yeah, um, and then at this point, she she doesn't does she leave his body at this
0: point? Yeah, we get some poltergeist action here. Yeah, um, so uh, that familiar blue swirling light effect happens. Um, I, think Ghostbusters. Think Ghost. oh well, I'm pretty sure Don Dykstra worked on that movie too. Um, Ghostbusters for sure, though, with the swirling lights. Um, the I believe in magic sequence in Ghostbusters. <laughs> Um, When all of New York becomes haunted and all the like the purple shooting stars are going through the city, yeah, just same scene but blue instead of purple. Uh, So yeah, uh, Carlson and Patrick Stewart they they grapple. Uh, before he makes out with him, uh, we get like an extended like half minute scene of him just shouting in Patrick Stewart's face. Let oh, me go! No. <laughs> just Look let me out. go! Yeah, yes.
1: he is so over the top. Yeah,
0: it's, it's let me great. I love I love oh, his sweaty oh. face too. It's like oh. he's probably dripping sweat all over Patrick Stewart.
1: He honestly he looks more like Bruce Dickinson than he does Tommy Lee Jones. I think like because he's the same height as Bruce Dickinson, who's like yeah. five four. I'm sure. Oh yeah um, right. but yeah so she kind of gets out of his body there and what happens take, in...
0: uh, this is where they take uh, Patrick Stewart uh, back up in the helicopter Also um, this was a cool yeah it was a cool scene but overly ambitious um, yeah very much um, when Patrick Stewart when the blue light show goes off in the asylum uh, our uh, British egg Shen dies. Like, off-screen, yeah. he's just in the room he's when it's happening, and I guess he has a heart attack.
1: He's like, oh, he tries to get some CPR, and he's like, I think his neck's broken.
0: He just he just dies off-screen. Yeah. Um, this no, is Again, this why? is a theme that pops up towards the later portions of this movie. Um, so they load everyone up onto the helicopter, so we have that guy's corpse, we have Patrick Stewart, and uh, Kane and Carlson all in a helicopter leaving the asylum, headed back to London. Um, we get a report... That some shit is going down in London. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we're in this helicopter, um, some trippy shit happens. Um, we get a like mannequin head, or like a, a prosthetic head, like a life casting, basically, of Patrick mm-hmm. Stewart and British Egg Shen. Uh, and we get, I think it was filmed in reverse, and maybe upside down also. <laughs> oh, I, I mean... I'm thinking through the, how the effect could have been done. I'm pretty sure it was filmed in reverse and maybe backwards. Um, yeah. Basically, blood is being drawn out of every pore in both of their faces, but like off, like at a horizontal angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the blood pools in mid-air into just a clump of blood. And then after this very long drawn-out sequence, uh, all the blood pools into the shape of the space vampire lady uh she says carlson's name and then falls apart into just a pool of blood yeah so pretty uh, gross. the way i'm describing it doesn't like really do it doesn't do justice to how the effect was achieved um it was a it's really a, cool idea i don't think it was done that well but it was a really cool idea
1: i think you could say that about pretty much all the pretty much the whole movie like eh, they were they tried really hard and It looks okay, but it doesn't look great. But this was probably, aside from the opening shots of the spaceship, this is my other favorite scene.
0: Well, what makes it special is that I don't think there's another movie in existence that has that particular effect or attempts to render that particular image. Um, It's very unique in that sense. And basically it's just to intensify, I guess, the uh, psychic torment that Carlson is feeling. It's like he's being drawn to this lady and he can't seem to get over it. Um, In addition to that, uh, I think this is also when he confesses that uh, his little plan on the shuttle uh, did not go according to plan. Like, I guess he was so enraptured with her that um, he kind of self-sabotaged, and the reason why destroying destroying the shuttle didn't work the way he wanted it to is because he couldn't he couldn't trust himself to do it basically so he reveals that he is truly unreliable as our uh, as our hero uh
1: yeah he's uh he's very unreliable uh we'll learn a little bit later too yeah um Um,
0: and i think this is when we get a a a radio call in the helicopter from the bbc
1: yes (laughs) that uh, london is
0: literally on fire (laughs)
1: The BBC, yes, and there's something that's happening in the meanwhile. Um, one of the guards has come back, and he's come to confront um, Doctor uh, British guy, old British guy, Falada, 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 Falafel. Doctor, I want to say falafel. Uh, doctor, I'm like you can call him right? falafel if you want. Doctor Falafel. Um, so he comes up and he's like, "Doctor Falafel, it's time to go do something." He's like, "You know, just give me one moment." And he's like, "He knows that this is a vampire, a <laughs> space vampire," and um, it cut. He it cuts away, and this is where we get the this is where we get the Patrick Stewart scene, and uh, this is when the BBC calls, basically. Um, and then I think this is where they call Doctor Falafel. Yeah, uh,
0: this is one of the most hackneyed uses of exposition I've ever seen. Th-
1: this was my favorite quote from the whole movie. Mm. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was his cadence or just what he's saying, but I had, to, I had to look up the script because I couldn't find the quote. I had to look up the script and take a screenshot of it because it was just so good. <laughs> um, and I'd like to recite it here for you now, <laughs> if possible. So he's telling them that he's killed it and that's what we go back to is that, that um, there's something we forgot to mention which is the, um, that spear that, that uh, the spear axe thing
0: you know what I'm talking about <laughs> yeah Dr. Falada's uh, vampire killing tool that he mm-hmm. just happens to have
1: <laughs> just happens to have um, they have that and then uh, he's like I killed one of the transformed ones and they ask well how did you kill him the old way Carlson a leaded metal shaft penetrating not through the heart, but through the energy center two inches below the heart. Not steel,
0: but leaded iron. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. Yeah, he's very matter-of-fact about it. like Because but- that, you know... It- but everybody, everybody knows that. Jeez. Everybody knows that. It's a very Van Helsing
1: kind of move. Uh, he's like, but through the energy center, two inches below the heart. Like we don't, we don't learn that in the movie <laughs> that they have an energy center two inches below the heart, and not steel, but leaded iron is what he uses, not steel.
0: Mm-hmm. Leaded iron. Yeah, but he again happens to have some medieval weapon of some sort that he just has, and in in his office, which I don't think is actually his office. I think it's. I think it's the UK NASA.
1: It's it. I uh, actually something else is on this screenshot from the script that I didn't pick up when I was watching the movie. Mm. Um, Doctor Falafel says it is my belief that the vampires of legend came from creatures such as these, perhaps even these very creatures. Yeah. So his theory is that maybe these guys actually spawned um, vampires.
0: No, it's 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 a very familiar storytelling concept. Um, aliens, as opposed to like werewolves or vampires, but um, that scene, what bothered me about it—I mean, his delivery is great. What really bothers me about it is that this is all stuff that could have been shown to us that just wasn't. <laughs> um, uh, we just like pan down, yeah. We we just like tilt down and we see the corpse of one of one of the male vampires just in the room with him, and he explains everything that he did. Yeah. O- over a radio <laughs> it's like why couldn't we have just seen that
1: <sighs> because they'd have to explain like he'd have to we would have to know that the energy center is two inches below the heart um well actually no they could have shown that like he could have stabbed him in the heart several times and it's like Stop doing anything and he stabs again and it was actually lower and he's like oh yeah i found it yeah, yeah. you oh. know
0: it, it would it could have been a gripping Action horror sequence, but no, we just cut back to the aftermath, and our hero, our main cast of heroes, are still in the helicopter, very far away, coming back to London.
1: Yeah. Um, so where do we go from here?
0: Um, London is a shitstorm. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> so this is where this is where things get batshit crazy, as if they haven't already. Um, I had so- a legit laugh
1: out loud in one of these scenes, but we can wait. <laughs>
0: So the helicopter returns to the city, and uh, we get—it um, was some sort of miniature city um, that they use for like the the main like establishing shots of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, the whole city is on fire. Um, there's a massive riot going on. There's streaks of blue light flying all over the place. Explosions, mass hysteria. Um, again, <laughs> Ghostbusters. Uh, so apparently, uh, the Space vampire plague uh, has gone unchecked and has spread like ex- exponentially. Um, while while our main cast of heroes were away, you know, trying to track down the one lady vampire, I guess the other, the two male vampires, who again we didn't know, reassembled themselves, caused all sorts of mayhem that again we did not see. <laughs> so by the time we get to London, it's in complete chaos and the entire city is in, is just erupting in flames
1: it um, just reminded me of like a zombie apocalypse yeah, it, it's, very much
0: like, so. it turns into a zombie film in the last half hour yeah um so we get a we get a funny scene where uh, kane and carlson like land on the roof of i guess it's supposed to be like strategic command center or something where the prime minister is and uh, <laughs> we get this funny scene where a, a secretary asks them if they want tea Mm. <laughs> in the middle of this crisis, that's it's funny. I feel like that's a very British thing. Um, after after all me? the the World War One and two, um, the Brits no, are kind of they're, they're kind of known for their mentality of like, oh, carry on, you know, <laughs> like oh, the whole city's on fire. It's like we'll we'll make it, doesn't <laughs> it? Um, <laughs> but then uh, they get taken to a back room where the prime minister is, and uh, he says, "Oh, excuse me a sec," and we get a, a shot of him in sh- like. In silhouette, uh, grabbing someone and like embracing exactly. them, and then the blue lights start flashing. So our heroes are like, "Well, Shit. <laughs> well They just walk out. They don't even. they, yeah. they,
1: they do not emote. They just yeah, yeah walk the, right no, out. No, no
0: reaction whatsoever. They're just like, "Well, this bunker's fucked," and they they just head right back to the helicopter and leave. Well,
1: it's actually a funny scene because they he comes out and he's like, "Oh yes, right, 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 right yes, okay, yeah." Uh, excuse me for a moment, and then he uh, leaves. He's like, uh, "Miss." Uh, whatever the, sec- uh, money the secretary can come with me. <laughs> money, penny, uh, come with me. So she goes in and does not shut the door, and they kind of just look at each other. Do you remember that scene in uh, Rush Hour Two where Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker go to Don Cheadle's um, restaurant, and he's like asking about the counterfeit money, and he pulls out his safe, and Don Cheadle kind of looks back at them like, "I'm about to punch in the numbers. Look away." <laughs> And they both look away, and then they just look right back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what they do, basically. They, They go in they just kind of look at each other like, okay, let's just stick our heads in here. They did a horrible job closing the door. And this is where the secretary goes back behind. So I think the prime minister was like, ah, I got to suck the skin off somebody. Oh, yes, right, 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 <laughs> And then <laughs> this is where, yeah, she's getting the skin sucked off of her. And they just look at each other and they're like, all right, well, let's leave. <laughs> we no, I thought it was
0: pretty funny, just the timing it of it.
1: It is a really funny scene. Unintentionally, I do believe. yeah, but yeah, now they're... Um, they're getting out of there and this is where they split up if I'm not mistaken
0: uh, yeah they get to the quarantine they get outside the quarantine zone so they mm-hmm. use the helicopter to get to like the British military has set up like a quarantine around all of London um there's like a military station set up there with, with a wall and like a checkpoint and everything and they managed to talk their way into the into like into the military camp mm. and uh this is where, uh, yeah, this is where they split up. Um, Carlson is basically completely on this late on the space vampire's leash. Like he just can't get over it anymore. Um, it's funny actually. There's a scene in a tent where uh, the general who's in command of all the military proceedings. Um, he's explaining to the two of them that you know this situation is getting out of control and we're discussing like a therm- thermonuclear option just in mm-hmm. case. And they're like, Oh, well fuck. I mean, I guess the deadline he sets for them is like three hours. It's like yeah. so it, within three hours, we're going to bomb London and, and that'll be that. Um, but what I thought was really funny here, and I took note of it, especially because it was just a, such a small thing that was so easy to overlook. Um, I think Kane asked the general about the spaceship because at some point, yeah, at some point, somebody mentioned—I think it was Bukowski mentioned that the spaceship is re- is coming into Earth orbit. and It'll be there yeah. within two days or something. Uh, so that's like a ticking clock element. Um, but the movie completely forgot about it. Yeah. And and I feel like this was an intentional like humorous moment that was inserted in there because Kane asked the general, "What about the giant spaceship?" And the general just looks at him and goes, "What?" He's <laughs> like, <laughs> like, "What are you talking about?"
1: <laughs> that is the least of our worries. He's right like, now. "I um, know
0: there's a big giant spaceship up there. What am I supposed to do about it?" What are I supposed to do about it? But it's just funny cuz the movie had not mentioned that in probably 40 minutes
1: i forgot about it exactly so it. did i <laughs> <laughs>
0: and it was only him mentioning that, that was, oh shit yeah i forgot
1: <laughs> so basically the end of ghostbusters is starting to happen um, yeah, carlson
0: takes off and uh he's looking for the girl yeah and he's Cain, going to Kane though is looking for dr falada
1: and this is where i had a legitimate laugh uh laughed out loud um so um Kane has got a car that was given to him by the general begrudgingly, I do believe.
0: Uh, no, um, he just steals it.
1: He steals it. Okay. <laughs> well, I remember he's just like, I'm not, "Oh, he gives him a gun." That's what it was. Um, he's just like, "No, I don't want to give you that." And he's like, "Give it to me." He's like, "Okay." Um, so yeah, he, he's in the car and he's driving, and there's people running towards him. So he has to kind of like watch the tra- like watch the foot traffic. They're all running towards him, and then a zombie is running towards him, and he hits it. Uh, and it just goes to pieces
0: <laughs> like you can see the pieces like fly yeah, it, apart it's the RoboCop Meltman but less gooey
1: <laughs> yeah it's pretty funny I I, I laughed at it I, it's a timestamp: stamp uh, 1 hour 36 minutes 34 seconds you want <laughs> it I was it. pretty funny um, but yeah he's looking out for Falafel and um, um, Carlson's looking for mm-hmm. Zool and where is Falafel at?
0: Uh, he is back at um, UK NASA. Uh, he's just uh, in the nice. office in the same room with where he killed the male vampire. Yeah. With his iron stake.
1: What happens with him at the scene? I don't even remember now.
0: So, this scene I thought was really good because Dr. Falafel really puts in a good performance here. It's a chilling conversation where Kane is like, Where is everyone? And Falafel's like, oh, you are dead like everyone else. And uh, Kane just again this is another this is what loose thread number three four five um oh
1: yeah it's like number (laughs) ten
0: um kane asks uh, about bukowski who again i thought was one of the more interesting characters in the whole movie and falafel just says oh dead like the rest of them so bukowski died off screen that's nice thanks thanks movie (laughs) um so basically um over the course of this very slow tense conversation uh we come to realize that Dr. Falafel made out with a zombie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's sweating profusely, and he's keeping his cool, but you can tell that there's something wrong with him. And uh, He comes at Kane, and Kane ends up shooting him, and we uh, he, he get this weird makeup effect on Falafel, and he f- he slumps over, and then a, a blue comet comes out of his back and flies out into the night sky. Uh, by the way, there's a giant yeah, blue okay, pillar, yeah. like like every uh, major blockbuster in the past decade, uh, there's a giant blue pill- pillar of light. <laughs> involved. involves, um, and so yeah. yeah. Um, right before he dies, though, he has a pretty cool line where he, he just uh, very calmly says, "Like, well, here I go, or and there I go." <laughs> and- so
1: somebody actually mentions it. I think it is Carlson. Um, they're they're standing there looking at it and like, what's happening, and basically it's a super shang song it's like all these vampires are basically sucking the souls out of people but it, i don't understand it how has that's happen- begun <laughs> um yeah i don't understand how that's happening that's what that's where i was kind of checked out of the movie at so, this point i'm like i don't know what's happening this anymore. isn't
0: your fault this is the movie <laughs> <laughs> um this is this is one of the more exposition heavy moments that again could have been presented more cleanly um Mm. before they leave the camp carlson and kane are looking off into the distance and they see the blue pillar of light um carlson uses his magic psychic powers that he just has for reasons um to explain to kane that uh the male vampires are collecting the energy the life force the energy from all the zombies um which that's what the blue comets and stuff in the sky are. Is um he explains them as being like souls basically. Mm. So they're taking the souls from all the zombies. Um so the males collect the souls and the lady vampire is the one who beams them up to the spaceship that's in orbit. So the big claw ship from the opening that is now in Earth orbit, she's using that pillar of light to she's the conduit. Yeah. Um, so yeah wherever that blue pillar of light is is where she is
1: um okay so at this point carlson meets up with her
0: yeah in and the I think
1: he meets up with her and they are both naked somehow like i was i like kind of looked down for a minute i'm like oh this is going on and i looked up I'm like oh they're both naked like oh uh, something's happening in the movie um <laughs> and they're just like yeah just kind of making out and um Colonel is looking for him, basically
0: yeah, Colonel leaves u k NASA and uh he takes off on foot uh so he has the stake and his pistol and he's just jogging along like dodging yeah. zombies left and right and by the way, the zombie makeup is not great, yeah. some of it's okay, but most of it's bad um but like the the staging of the like the riot sequences is actually pretty cool, like it mm. really does look like a city that's completely fucked.
1: Oh no! it looks legit yeah yeah
0: it looks pretty cool and basically he's doing like the night of the living dead or uh invasion of the body snatchers run away from a big crowd of people thing uh he caps a zombie in the brain and then he gets he finally gets to the steps of the cathedral and uh one of our uh one of our tommy hilfiger models one of the the male vampires just like gets up into the frame <laughs> Um by the way the, the steps of the cathedral it's pretty cool looking um it was a really neat visual i thought anyway um
1: the door, the doors were giant they were the, huge the
0: doors were giant but what stood out to me was the just the pile of bodies like oh yeah like the en- the entirety of the steps is just covered in human like human zombie bodies and it mm-hmm. looks pretty cool cuz it's like some of
1: them are moving too
0: yeah it's some of them were you know mannequins some of them were actors but mm-hmm. it just gives it's a good visual reminder that's like hey whatever you know is going on is probably over here because that's where mm-hmm. all the bodies are um so yeah this male vampire gets up and is like sucking ghostbusters ghosts into its stomach so a whole bunch of blue light is flying into his stomach um he doesn't really regard Cain as a threat um he just kind of looks at him he says something really goofy like um it'll be less terrifying if you just come to me, but he has like this weird uh audio effect over his voice that just sounds like that voice doesn't go with that face. <laughs> yeah. Um and then uh yeah, it's actually pretty simple. Kane just stabs him with the the stake and he uh, he turns into a bat monster for like two shots and then he mm-hmm. poof, turns into a cloud and he, apparently he's dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, so this is um so We get explained um, by Space Girl what's happening, and he's like, why did you guys come here? And they're like, we basically harvest um, your energy, or harvest your um, life force. (laughs) (laughs) Ha!
0: I see what you did there.
1: (laughs) Uh, I didn't even mean to do that. Um, And he's like, but where did you come from? She's like, from your mind. I'm your manifestation of someone you want. And... I it I don't see how that works. Um cuz I feel like they have to have some kind of tangible like person to be able to take over their body as a bat. That's what I don't understand.
0: Yeah, the the rules of this particular story are very flimsy. That's why I say Ooh. there's a lot of disparate elements, a lot of loose threads that uh I feel like maybe just didn't need to be there. Like the the possession thing, I would say either go all in on that and have it be they don't have an actual body, they just inhabit someone or don't have it at all because <laughs> it just complicates things way too much. I have
1: zombies, aliens, demons and vampires, like it's all like all just kind of it's all twisted up
0: and connected.
1: Yeah. <laughs> somehow, um, but yeah. So basically, she's supposed to be some hot chick from his brain, or yeah. what he well, she, considers she ideal. Basically,
0: says that like, and I think actually he says this before he gets to her. Like when he's explaining it to Kane, it's like in order to take the energy from from a, a, another being, they need to to know that being. So they mm-hmm. need to they need to bang, basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did interpret it as like they. Take on the shape that um, whatever civilization or, or creature that they're trying yeah. to take the energy from uh, would find appealing, I guess.
1: Um, so yeah, they're they're making out pretty hardcore, and this is where we get our um, cock block. Um, <laughs>
0: Carlson,
1: because the colonel's up above, and he's like, Carlson, he, he's he says it like seven Carlson! times, Carlson, Carlson, Carlson. Um, but he's got the he's got the spear with him, and he chucks it down to him and he stabs her in the back and she
0: yeah uh, so it's kind of weird. Um, Carlson's making out with space vampire lady and uh, mm-hmm. again, it takes like 30 attempts of yelling his name to get him to look up, but he finally does he finally looks up at uh Kane who by the way um, the lady and Carlson are in the basement of the cathedral and there's just just a convenient little hole uh so the blue light can go up through the ceiling mm. and uh Kane is like looking down on them and shouting down at them and uh finally when Carlson looks up uh he like reaches out with one hand and Kane throws the stake down at him and he good catch i mean it's got mm-hmm. a gigantic handle so that helps but he he catches the stake as it's falling and then he puts it behind her and he runs her through from behind and then i didn't realize it until there's a wide angle of it but he, he ran himself through, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, so it's it's supposed to be, like, a grand sacrifice or something. But then we get, like, the most rushed ending I think I've yeah. ever seen. Like, maybe I really, ever. I'm like, wait, it's over? Yeah. It? yeah. Like, boom, credits. <laughs> That's it. So he runs. He stabs the two of them. So they're both impaled on, on the stake. And then they both look up and they zip up with the blue light um, into the spaceship the claws of the spaceship close and it takes off back to Haley's Comet. Credits. Mm-hmm. credits. Credits immediately. <laughs>
1: we have so many questions unanswered.
0: Um, <laughs> Cockblock to save the planet. Maybe
1: he gets to bang her now. I don't know.
0: Well, she does say and this makes no fucking sense. Um, you're one of us. It's oh, like, nice. No, he's very clearly not though. <laughs> like he was an he's astronaut. Now. Well, maybe he is now. <laughs> Um, I mean, it seemed like they were okay when they went up, and the spaceship's moving, so whatever's guiding it is okay, but yeah, they just take off. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so why did you recommend this one? Just because it was on Prime and you'd seen it?
0: Um, well, I know Texas Chainsaw Massacre is an important film to you, and mm-hmm. uh, Toby Hooper, same director. Uh, Toby Hooper had a kind of a rough stretch at this point in his career. In fact, most of his career has been more down than up, I'd say.
1: Well, uh, te- what was it? Pol- Poltergeist came out before this, correct? Yes,
0: yes. Poltergeist yeah. was a, a big hit, and I think it's a pretty solid movie. Um, it's, I actually haven't seen it. Oh, it's good times. Um, I've heard that. I don't know. I've heard I, that. I feel like this one, like it's it's not a strong recommend for me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you enjoy laughing at movies and and trying to wrap your head around what the fuck the movie's trying to do Mm -hmm. Uh, if you can get yourself in that mindset it's a lot of fun but mostly i just want uh you to see something else that toby hooper had done and also get the canon group involved in our podcast because anything by them is kind of worth a look Mm -hmm. and also it's it seems to be kind of a theme in a lot of the movies we've been covering um an example of a movie where a director is given more resources than they probably should have been. Uh, Nothing but trouble was like the first instance of one of those (laughs) that we looked at where it's like, this is Dan Aykroyd unchained and uh, the dark backward for sure. This is a, a writer turned director who probably got more money and more creative leeway than he, than he should have had um yeah yeah, this was toby hooper getting free reign on a massive like not a massive but a very high budget film with a shitty script but he was given a lot of creative freedom that uh very clearly didn't translate to the most cohesive product yeah no he didn't
1: i think it's i think it shot really well i think it like if you just look at it it's a good movie um the audio audio
0: too like the soundtrack is magnificent in a lot of ways
1: um, I just think, yeah, the, the structure and the um, yeah the loosen like we just we <laughs> we introduce a lot of a lot of threads and it just doesn't they don't go anywhere. It's like you're running on a path and then you like oh I'm gonna take this way and like oh okay that ended quick. Let me get back on the, the back on this main trail here. Let me take this up though. No. Yeah, there's yeah.
0: there's so many harebrained storytelling decisions. Like the biggest one to me is um, London being on fire without us knowing like we yep. come back and it's okay so the whole city's been erupting into chaos and we didn't even know about it and uh Bukowski dying off screen Dr. Falada not only killing one of the 3 there's only 3 vampires in this whole movie killing mm-hmm. one of the 3 off screen and also Dr. Filata being uh making out with a zombie we never saw that either so there's there's a lot of things that's just like why is not why didn't we touch that and I'm going like to look at who said, edited this movie like I said, Toby Hooper had kind of a, a rough time around this time because he this was part of a, a three picture deal he did with Canon um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and Invaders from Mars were the other two movies he did and both of them were not well received wow. um, a lot of it could just be creative sensibilities because Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is a, f- is a very strange movie it's not for everyone because it has that Evil Dead Two vibe to it. It's yeah, inti- it's the inti- first
1: I haven't even seen the second one because it's, I know the it's gore. Not close. The
0: gore is is there. Like it's a very brutally violent movie, but it has that Looney Tunes feel to it too. And the production design is also off the wall. Like it's very. Clear. It looks almost like a Terry Gilliam movie at times. Um, it's interesting to look at for sure, but the tone of it is just bouncing off the walls it's all over the place so it's like I'm sure he was happy with what he made but you know your average audience goer like your average film goer would probably just be like what the fuck am I watching
1: so the editor for this movie is John Grover Mm -hmm. Um, he did For Your Eyes Only Ah. um, Life Force uh, The Living Daylights License to Kill
0: a lot of James Bond movies
1: Yeah, and then the one that stuck out to me was Labyrinth oh interesting
0: so he i mean clearly he works in the uk (laughs) yeah that's what that Um, tells me (laughs)
1: yeah yeah i just don't think that maybe he just didn't he spent too much time on set on like like with the set production and the the makeup effects that um they just didn't shoot enough to tell the story and this is kind of what happened
0: again I, i took a glance at the wikipedia article for the movie and apparently there were Several actors who reported having worked on the film who never got some of their scenes filmed, and gotcha. again, there's a lot of space footage that got cut. So maybe, maybe they needed to uh, negotiate or something. Maybe certain scenes were paid more attention than they needed to be, and it put them behind schedule or something. Mm-hmm. It, maybe it, there's just... parts of it definitely feel rushed for sure. Yeah,
1: you know, we're it. It just seems like we're watching like. Um, like a cut version of like a Marvel movie, and like, well, what the, what was that about? I, what was I'm missing something from there? What I don't understand that, and it's just cut down for like theatrical release. And then if you go watch the four hour extended version, like, <laughs> oh, it explains so much more. In this case, there might be uh, deleted scenes that were missing, but also scenes that were never actually filmed. And they're like, I ah, just fucking put it together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, um, um yeah. like I said, not a strong recommend, but I just thought it would be fun to take a look at. Just to, yeah. just to take a look at.
1: It was an okay watch. I don't hate it. Uh, I won't <laughs> watch it again, but uh, yeah, I liked, uh, I liked seeing the the makeup effects. That was kind of a fun thing to take a look at. I'm like, yeah, these aren't that great. Well,
0: the, seen... the optical effects to me were the real standout. It's like, mm-hmm. we're still kind of doing things in camera, and it's pretty impressive for its day. Mm. But anyway, yeah, so that was yeah. Life Force. Uh, hopefully we'll catch up on cinema again real time soon.
1: Yeah, I uh, already know what you get to watch. Oh, okay. Wait, there will be spoilers.
0: (laughs) Until next time.